You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson at Williamson NFL. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. How is everyone this fine Tuesday? Yay! Good to talk to you all. Please belly up to my bar. Let's have a little chat on Twitter Tuesday. I returned to the Steeler practice fields today and for uh, OTA number 8 of 10. So I'll be there tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday. You know, I mean, tomorrow is Wednesday. Wednesday and Thursday, finish up OTAs, and then minicamp starts up again the following week. The difference, in case you guys don't know, is minicamp is mandatory. OTAs are optional. Um, there can be a little bit of fogginess there. I mean, that doesn't mean everyone shows up for minicamp, but the team can find them if they do, or if they don't, or they can take action in some way. Uh, OTAs, you don't have to show up at all. I mean, so uh, guys take days off. Sometimes they just come down and go to meetings, get a lift in, whatever. Um, so that's what's going on now. OTAs are wrapping up this week um, for me, for the Steelers, for Steeler Nation Radio, who I deal with. I have told you before about our new friends at Himalaya. Uh, it's free. It's super easy to use. has every single podcast you love and or searching for. Obviously, you guys are podcast listeners. So find and download the Himalaya app on the App Store or Google Play Store. Don't forget to follow Locked On NFL once you're there. And do me a favor and leave a review as well. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On NFL. Um, Several of you have asked, I'm just going to lump them all into one as I often do, and there's a lot of questions regarding the same thing. Really the news of the day is McCoy stays in the NFC South and is now a Panther. Signed for pretty good money. I don't have in front of me, but I think it's six and a half. I thought he'd be more in like the four or five range. But teams have money and they don't have much to spend it on right now. There was a couple teams after him. It was reported, and I don't know this is a fact, but it was reported that he turned down more money from another team. And that could be his agent making it up. For those of you who don't know, that's kind of how these things go. But whatever. Um, he did visit the Browns and the Ravens. The Browns had a lot more money to spend than Baltimore. And he's stylistically more what they asked for out of the defensive tackle position. So if he did spurn a team for, you know, to take less with Carolina, I would imagine he told the Browns no, um, even though the money was better, as is what is reported. But that's total guess by me. Um, I like the fit in Carolina. I'm sure staying in the, div- in the division held some weight for him, you know, that hey, I want to go show my old team that they shouldn't have moved on for me. It's the only team I'd ever played for. Former high first-round pick. One of the better players in Buccaneers history, frankly. I mean, probably the second-best defensive tackle besides Warren Sapp, I would guess, off the top of my head. Um, not exactly the richest player history there compared to the other 31 teams. But McCoy is a all-time great buck and a perennial pro bowler through his time there. Um, I would imagine he wants a little, not necessarily vengeance, but wants to show the old team, hey, you made a mistake. You shouldn't have moved on from me. And he probably looks at those Bucks interior offensive linemen and says, I know an awful lot about them. I get to play them twice a year, and I think I got a leg up on Ali Marpet and Jensen and those guys. We'll see if that's true. Um, he also probably had a good fair respect a competitive respect for the Carolina Panther organization would be my hunch or he wouldn't have gone there played him twice a year his entire career and I also got to think from a business perspective playing the same 
teams that you're used to playing is probably an an advantageous situation. You know, that I'm used to playing Atlanta, and yeah, there's new people there, but you know the schemes, you know the tells, maybe you know Matt Ryan's and Drew Brees' inflections on their snap counts. You know what I mean? I mean, it's certainly an advantage. And he is went to Oklahoma. Maybe he didn't want to play in the North. I don't know. Um, but I do like the fit, and this is what we focus on more here, is football, is all of a sudden I was concerned about the Panthers' front seven. You know, that Thomas Davis, I know he's up in age. Julius Peppers, I know he's up in age. But our all-time great players have moved on. I do think they're going to more of a 3-4 style of edge dudes. I mean, the Mike, or not Michael Irvin, Bruce Irvin and Burns, their first-round pick, are lighter-in-the-ass type of guys, you know, 240-pound dudes that can drop into space. They're not just 4-3 edge guys. So I do think they've looked for a different style of edge player. But all of a sudden, I retweeted this for you guys that follow me, but maybe caught this before. They have seven former first-round picks in their front seven, you know, led by Luke Keekley, of course, who's as good or better than ever. Shaq Thompson now should get more and more snaps. I mentioned the edge guys. They're a different breed, and you know Burns, I think, can now be brought along a little slower, which is great or situational. K.K. Short is really the straw that serves the drink in the middle. They always have a nose tackle type that was Star Lele. Now it's Don Terry Poe. All these guys I keep mentioning are first-round picks. And now you throw McCoy in the mix. And if you kind of look at the threesome of defensive tackles they have, Lutalele's on that nose tackle, or Poe, I'm sorry, is in that nose tackle mold. McCoy is truly a three-technique penetrator. I bet at times he's played as low as 280 pounds in that neighborhood. He is not a nose tackle body. And Short is all the above. I mean, he's in between the two of them. He has the strengths of both those guys. He's a great player in his prime. So my hunch is, and this would also be very alluring if I'm Mr. McCoy at this stage of my career, is first and 10 against 22 personnel or there's a fullback in the backfield. He's probably on the sidelines and Poe's in there next to Short. When it's throwing downs, I'm out there fresh next to Short, which I like, and Poe's on the sidelines. And obviously there'll be some, some of those trends will break and he'll be out there on first and 10 at times, but Assuming everyone's healthy, and Butler's there too still. I mean, although he's only there for probably one more year, but there's talent there. Maybe McCoy's a very good influence on him too. He had another first-round pick. He's not as exciting as the other guys, but there's certainly talent there, and he's sort of the longer, big-bodied. I wouldn't say he's a nose, but I would say he's a wannabe Calais Campbell, DeForest Buckner type, but a little heavier than those guys, a little sluggish, more sluggish than them. All of a sudden, they have a very formidable front seven with a wide variety of players where in the past they've always had a front seven that was good in the strength of the defense and a heavy zone scheme, but they were also all kind of the same too. Like a lot of, they weren't as versatile. They, they weren't, they couldn't throw as many packages out at you. It was the same dudes, a lot of three linebacker sets more than any other team in the league with Shaq Thompson, sometimes guarding the slot even, which is a compliment to him. And they wanted to get him on the field with Davis and Keekley. Now Davis not being there might open the path for Thompson to maybe take a step forward, really become a star. Again, Keekley's going to keep these guys all aligned. And, you know, on the front page, Short's going to stir the drink. And there's a lot of talent around him. Seven first-round picks, man. I mean, that's hard to ignore. And their secondary isn't wonderful, nor has it been, nor is it 
I mean, frankly, nor is it designed to be. I mean, they're more traditionally a rush four, and they will blitz, and we'll see what's, what they do going forward. But I like this pickup a lot for them. For all these reasons I just laid out, I think it's been pretty thorough investigation, so all or pretty thorough, you know, uh, diagnosis of McCoy to his new home in Carolina. Answers a lot of your guys' Twitter questions about that. As I've been telling you, folks, we you guys got to check out Blue Chew. I mean, uh, I know... Some of you don't think you need this, and yeah, I'm not saying you need it, but you want it. Trust me. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. So listen up. Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you do know they work. It absolutely does. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. I tell you this all the time. I never understood the pill situation of, I'm going to take a pill, hun. I'll meet you in an hour. I mean, eh, kind of lose a little something. Now, this isn't just for guys that can't perform. This is where a lot of you guys need to listen up. This is for any guy that wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Um, Blue Chew is prescribed online, shipped straight to your door in the discreet package, so no in-person doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, no wasting that time, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They are made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they are cheaper than a pharmacy. So this is what you all have to do. Any dude listening, or any of you females listening that want to get your, your you can just get this as a present for your guy, hint, hint. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. Use our special promo code Locked On, all one word. All you pay is five dollars shipping, and you get the everything else is free. All you're paying for is shipping. That's b l u e chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is a better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them very, very much for sponsoring the podcast. All right, we are back. And let's get into some of your guys' questions. Um, several, Again, several of you have been asking this over the last couple Twitter Thursdays. And I think some of you are anxious for me to get into positional list mode. Um, that was one thing I did when I had my own website last year at this time. And lists are something people do this time of year because there's not much else to talk about. Um, I don't know that I'll start doing top 10 guards, all those things. Last week I talked, you know, the five corners who I thought were the best in the business. Um, and over, like I said, the last couple of weeks, several of you have asked, who are your, what's your quarterback list like? What's your top five? And I'm going to read Go Pat's question. Go Pat 79. He's a, he's the man. Hey, Matt, who's the top five QBs entering the 2019 season? Moreover, can you name a couple guys who might be entering the top five come 2020? Yeah, and this is probably a whole segment in itself, to be very honest. Um, let's talk about the criteria first. Who are the top five quarterbacks right now? That's a hard question. Is it, who do I want from this second going forward? I mean, that's a totally different question where you really factor in youth. No, that, the answer to that, no. Do you, is it, who do you think will be the best quarterback in 2019? Or if I had to play tomorrow, who's my starting quarterback? Or who's coming off the best year? Or a real vague kind of gray question. And this is really what I, how I look at it is, 
Who's the best football player right now at this particular position? You know, if they dealt with injuries, if they were in a bad scheme, you factor those things in, but they're still really good. Or were they, you know, benefited by a lot of different things? And in a way, I'm going to kind of regress here a little bit. When I was a kid, you know, when I was probably age 6 through 10, I collected sports cards. You know, I, I football, baseball, everything. And... I would always arrange them. I was a dork like I am now. I would arrange them all by who was better. And I would drive drive my grandfather, my father, my uncle, my aunt who was into sports, anyone who would listen, I would ask who's better. You know, and hey, can we do who's better? And, oh, man. I mean, my uncle would be like, yeah, I guess. But it would be relentless. You know, I, I, who's better? John L. or I mean Dan Fouts or Boomer Esiason, you know, whatever it is. I mean, I guess those two didn't correlate well enough. But this is early '80s, and I would sit there with all my cards, and my my uncle would say, um, "Fouts is better than this guy," so I'd move him ahead of him. Oh, okay, he moves up the ranks. He goes up to the front of the list or whatever. Winslow or Ozzie Newsom? Oh, I think Winslow is better now. Okay, I move him ahead of Ozzie Newsom. But when I was real young, <laughs> I didn't really put all the positions together, let alone all the sports together. So it was like, Dad, who's better? Larry Bird, Dan Fouts, or Steve Carlton? And he would go crazy. Anyway, so uh, I regress. But let's talk quarterbacks, dude. So there is some of that to this. You know, you, There are some apples to oranges. And my top five goes like this. Mahomes... Which I'm hesitant to do that because when we talk about who's the best quarterback on the planet right now, his body of work doesn't compare to the other guys. I mean, is is Pat Mahomes a better quarterback than Tom Brady? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, let's stack those two resumes against each other. And there is something to be said for that. And probably more than anyone on this list, he benefits from those around him, including Andy Reid. But he just had maybe one of the, I mean, he definitely, undisputable, one of the best quarterback seasons in the history of the league. And I know the league's changed, you know, and Marino and Fouts may have done similar things that they had those, you know, that type of scheme and system and played in today's. But he made those around him better. He was the league MVP. He was utterly remarkable to watch every week, no matter what. No one figured him out he's not short on talent is Mahomes the best quarterback in the league I think right now you have to say yes I mean I don't know that I would put a chip down that he will be a year from now for this conversation I mean there could be warts there's a lot of these other dudes that are more proven people may have find out things he doesn't like to do but coming off what he just did in an unbelievably jaw-dropping fashion I'm going to put Mahomes number one. I think some of you will have a hard time with this, but I'm putting Andrew Luck number two. And if you take the first five, six weeks out of the equation when they were, I want to say babying him, but kind of babying him. I mean, get the ball out super quick, short throws. They didn't know they had a great offensive line yet coming off surgery, and he was still very efficient. And at that point, we looked at the supporting cast and thought, boy, there's not much here in Indy. But you look how he took over and how 
awesome he was for the, the final three months of the season or so. I mean, he's, to me, a Hall of Famer, a all-time great who I think we'll look back after hopefully a 15-year career and say there were those two or, two in, two or three injury-plagued years where we didn't see him be awesome. But I think when you look at 2018 and beyond, you'll say that's one of the best guys that's ever done it. Aaron Rodgers, to me, is the best guy that's ever done it. And absolutely is coming off a down year. So I ding him and put him at three. I mean, it, you if you told me a year ago you're going to have Aaron Rodgers three, I'd be like, no way. He, he would have had to have a dreadful year to be three. And he didn't. And I still very much believe in him. I also think he was aided the least by any of these quarterbacks in terms of scheme and people around him. With all respect to Devontae Adams, who's awesome. I also don't believe, and no one's told me this, this is just watching him over the years, I bet he was not super healthy last year. And I don't know we'll ever know that answer. And I'm going to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because I think he's earned it because, frankly, he's my number one quarterback all time. And I also, you know, we saw a lot of throwaways last year. We saw a lot of frustration in his face last year. Not a lot of trusting of his teammates. But that doesn't detract from his greatness to me. I mean, I still think he might be the GOAT. I mean, <laughs> meanwhile, the GOAT's at number four. Brady is the GOAT. I mean, in a way, you're talking out both ends of your mouth. You're, compl- you're comparing Steve Carlton to Dan Fouts. Brady's got the best resume ever. Yet again, the Super Bowl champion. An amazing, amazing player who's still really, really good. But I thought he showed some warts last year, and I've said this to you guys a lot, that and forgive me for saying the same things over and over, but I do think if you looked at, since he's become the starter, basically, well, since he's become awesome, so what, the last 12 years only, if you looked at his low-light tape every season, I think his low-light tape in 2018 was bigger with more plays on it than it's been in a long time. And I always say that about Rodgers. Like, if you look at the greatest quarterback, the all-time greats, the Hall of Fame quarterbacks, Rodgers' highlight tape is as good as anyone. Just as good as Marino's. Just as good as Favre's. Just as good as anyone. His low-light tape is maybe better than anyone's. And, like, Brady's highlight tape doesn't make you go, oh, wow. But his low-light tape basically never existed. This year, I thought there was more plays on the low-light tape than usual. Dude's old man. Uh, Matt Ryan's my number four. I think he's perennially underrated. He's not flashy, but I think he's super good. And I think he has a great understanding of the position. I was torn between him and Drew Brees. Uh, Brees would be six if I had to do that. I thought Brees didn't leave a great taste in my mouth to end the season. I thought his arm dwindled. I thought, you know, he's not the biggest, most powerful guy and obviously age and you notice, you know, teams tell you what they think of these guys, that you notice that they've been running the ball more. I think they realize that he only has so many throws left or so many big-time throws in a year in his arm, so to speak, so that it's more of a pitch count situation. And I thought kind of the same with Rivers, and we talked about this a little last year, that or last yesterday, that as the season went on, I didn't think he was as effective um, Rivers would also be in my top 10. Ben would also be in my top 10. Ben would be 10th. Wilson would be in my top 10. And Wentz would be in my top 10. So to round this out, though, who could 
get in the top five. And I'm just going to buzz through division by division. Brady's already there. Darnold can't get in the top five, but he could be knocking at the door in the top ten to me. I can't see Allen making that huge of a jump, but he impressed me. I'd be shocked if Rosen could do that. I mean, we're talking about getting into the elite. Um, could Baker? Maybe. I mean, to me, Baker and Darnold could be two guys that we're talking about in this conversation. You know, that if Breeze and Ben and Rivers and these guys open a spot for them, they could jump in there or at least be talked about there. Could Lamar? He's kind of like Allen to me. He's a ways away. Um, since he, no, sorry. Deshaun Watson absolutely could. No doubt in my mind. Could Mariota? Uh, we talk him to death. I tend to think he could. I don't know that he will. I still think he's an underrated player. I'm still on board. Jacksonville, no. Denver, no. Oakland, unlikely. But I do think Carr will be pretty good this year. Talked about Rivers. Talked about Mahomes. That rounds out the AFC. The NFC, I think Dak Prescott's a very underrated player. And the more I watch him, the more I like him. I don't know that he'll ever be in this conversation. But he might be 12th. You know what I mean? Like in, in pro, He may even be in the next five to me right now. I think Dak's better than people think. Giants, no. Wentz, to me, is the guy that if somebody outside the top five were to jump up to number one, it would be him. Or would I would bet would be in the top five. Like, I bet a year from now I'm going to take Wentz, Wentz over Ryan. So I kind of feel like Ryan's just sort of holding that spot warm. Um, so you guys know I love him. Washington, can't give it to you. Um that's the rest of that division. Cam, to me, scares me. I talk a lot about Cam. Winston's a lot like Mariota. We're going to talk a lot of Winston and Mariota on Friday, by the way. There's a little tease for you. There's a good guest coming up outside the network you guys will like. Um, we already talked about Breeze. We already talked about Ryan. If you look at the North, we talked about Rodgers. Trubisky, to me, is kind of on that Allen Lamar plane where a lot of ability, but I can't say I'm you know jumping on board. Stafford's outside this top 10. A year ago to me, I think he was my 10th guy. Uh, could reclaim that, but hasn't really wowed you lately. Cousins, to me, is not in that conversation. I think Cousins is a slightly above average starter, above the Andy Dalton line, but would have to really shock me to get in the top 10. In the West, I mean, I'd be shocked if I jump on Kyler at that point. I think Jimmy G could be there. I, I really do. I take some heat for being such a Jimmy G supporter, but I am. And I think that if he stays healthy, I don't know if I'd put him in the top five, but I think he very well could be in my top ten. Um, we talked about Wilson. I don't know about Goff either. I think Goff is outside the top ten. If he could be in the 10 to 12 to 15 range, that would be fine. You know, like I think that would be where you want him. Um, and not that that's his ceiling, but that would worry me. Um, Ben is the guy in the top 10 and Breeze, like I mentioned, who I think has a legit chance to fall out. Ben's decision-making leaves some things to be desired and he's not going to have a safety blanket. He's going to have less around him. So we'll see about Ben. All right, we are back. I've been rambling on a couple topics here, but, uh, <laughs> that's all right. Joshua Silber asked, how concerned should Packers fans be the floor didn't couldn't ignite the Titans offense last year outside of a few Derrick Henry games? I think you look at this two ways. Like, I think that LaFleur 
he's had a meteoric rise, and I don't know if he's had coaching material, and he's part of this Shanahan McVay phenomenon, and I understand that. And he's jumped up remarkably quick since his Atlanta days. Um, but I also, if you look at half full, I would say that offense was dismal. And finally he realized it needs to run through Derrick Henry. You know, they weren't throwing the ball well. Mariota's been banged up much of the year, in my opinion. Also played injured a great deal of the season. That I think LaFleur figured things, figured out a way to create offense that it wasn't his original plan. I feel like he audibled halfway through the season or so and found a way to make it work. I don't think if you gave him truth serum, that's what he would have wanted to do. I don't think he wanted the offense to go through Henry. But I'm also starting to warm up to Henry. You know, he might be a better player than I think. And um, he's a unique dude, and I never would have wanted him on my team. But the more I watch him, I think... He might be a special player, and if used properly, maybe he should be the foundation of an offense. I think that passing game in Tennessee will be a lot better, but it wasn't last year. And I do think, you know, I wonder if he'll be able to stand up to Rodgers when Rodgers doesn't want to do something or is reluctant to change. But I do think his ability to create offense, at least drawing it up in the bo- on the board or in the playbook, will be a big upgrade for the Packers offense. So we'll see. I mean, I'm not a believer or not. I'm just kind of spelling you out what I think. Um, my man Dr. Thunder asked, for your Twitter Thursday, we all look at Oakland as a dumpster fire, but is, is there really a chance that this team is good? Could they challenge in the West, or are they just as bad as we all perceive? I think they're an interesting story. I don't know if they're a dumpster fire. Do they have a plan are they living for today? It sure seems like they're a very whimsical organization. Hey, let's go get incognito. Okay, shiny thing. Um, uh, it's so many new bodies there. I talked about Carr a little bit where I think that he should have a pretty solid year. And there is some talent around him. And I think that passing game is quality. And Antonio Brown is a superstar. Um, I think Josh Jacobs might be rookie of the year. And I do believe in Gruden as a designer and play caller of offense. I was really impressed with what he did as the season went on. I thought Jared Cook was his only good player, basically, on offense. And he designed an offense around him and got him the ball. Can he do that with more cards in his hands? I think so. I think the defense should be pretty well coached, but is deficient. They have some young guys that will need to take a step forward. Um, I still think they'll be... Picking in the top 10, third place in that division is probably their best bet. Maybe eight wins is their best bet. Probably closer to five or six in the end. It's going to take time. I mean, it's just such a culture change, such a roster overhaul. I mean, a year ago, they had Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. You know I mean? <laughs> uh, now they have a bunch of dudes that show promise, and they're building it in Gruden's likeness in a way, and I don't know that that's good. I don't know it's bad either, but I don't know that it's good. So, uh, they'll be interesting. I mean, I guess I'm skirting your question here a little, Dr. Thunder, but uh, that's what I think on it. So, folks, I will be back tomorrow. Um, What I'm planning on doing with Mark Schofield, again, he's very much a quarterback whisperer, and that's his specialty. Um, I wanted to talk about the marriage of all the new coaches taking over their new team how they meld, meld, that's not a word, is it? With 
their new quarterback. So like that Aaron Rodgers LaFleur conversation, I want to do that with every team that has a new head coach tomorrow with Mark. So I warned him in advance. He'll be prepared. And I will do that after Steeler Minicamp tomorrow. All right, folks. Over and out.